Good morning, Christ Church. I want to share this story with you about Teddy. As she stood in front of her fifth grade class on the very first day of school, she told the true children an untruth. Like most teachers, she looked at her students and said that she loved them all the same. However, that was impossible because there in the front row, slumped in his seat, was a little boy named Teddy Stoddard. Mrs. Thompson had watched Teddy the year before and noticed that he did not play well with the other children, that his clothes were messy and that he constantly needed a bath. In addition, Teddy could be unpleasant. It got to the point where Mrs. Thompson would actually take delight in marking his papers with a broad red pen, making bold X's and then putting a big fat F at the top of his papers. At the school where Mrs. Thompson taught, she was required to review each, each child's past records, and she put Teddy's off until last. However, when she reviewed his file, she was in for a surprise. Teddy's first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly and has good manners. He is a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student, well-liked by his classmates, but he is troubled because his mother has a terminal illness and life at home must be a struggle. His third grade teacher wrote, his mother's death has been hard on him. He tries to do his best, but his father doesn't show much interest and his home life will soon affect him if some steps aren't taken. Teddy's fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends and he sometimes sleeps in class. By now, Mrs. Thompson realized the problem and she was ashamed of herself. She felt even worse when her students brought her Christmas presents wrapped in beautiful ribbons and bright paper, except for Teddy's. His present was clumsily wrapped in the heavy brown paper that he got from a grocery bag, Mrs. Thompson took pains to open it in the middle of the other presents. Some of the children started to laugh when she found a rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing and a bottle that was one quarter full of perfume. But she stifled the children's laughter when she exclaimed how pretty the bracelet was, putting it on and dabbing some of the perfume on her wrist. Teddy Stoddard stayed after school that day, just long enough to say, Mrs. Thompson, today you smelled just like my mom used to. After the children left, she cried for at least an hour. On that very day, she quit teaching, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Instead, she began to teach children. Mrs. Thompson paid particular attention to Teddy as she worked with him, his mind seemed to come alive. The more she encouraged him, the faster he responded. By the end of the year, Teddy had become one of the smartest children in the class. And despite her lie that she would love all the children the same, Teddy became one of her teacher's pets. A year later, she found a note under her door from Teddy telling her, 
that she was still the best teacher he ever had in his whole life. Six years went by before she got another note from Teddy. He then wrote that he had finished high school third in his class and she was still the best teacher he had ever had in life. Four years after that, she got another letter saying that while things had been tough at times, he'd stayed in school, had stuck with it and would soon graduate from college with the highest of honors. He assured Mrs. Thompson that she was still the very best and favorite teacher he had ever had in his whole life. Then four more years passed, and yet another letter came. This time he explained that after he got his bachelor's degree, he decided to go a little farther. The letter explained that she was still the best and favorite teacher he ever had. By now, his name was a little longer. The letter was signed Theodore F. Stoddard, M.D. The story does not end there, you see. There was yet another letter that spring. Teddy said he had met this girl and was going to be married. He explained that his father had died a couple of years ago, and he was wondering if Mrs. Thompson might agree to sit at the wedding in the place that was usually reserved for the mother of the groom. Of course, Mrs. Thompson did. And guess what? She wore that bracelet, the one with several rhinestones missing. Moreover, she made sure she was wearing the perfume that Teddy remembered his mother wearing on their last Christmas together. They hugged each other, and Dr. Stoddard whispered in Mrs. Thompson's ear, thank you, Mrs. Thompson, for believing in me. Thank you so much for making me feel important and showing me that I could make a difference. Mrs. Thompson, with tears in her eyes, whispered back. She said, Teddy, you have it all wrong. You were the one who taught me that I could make a difference. I didn't know how to teach until I met you. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. The beauty in reading this gospel writer's version of the Beatitudes is the obvious alignment of the poor, the hungry, the sad, the oppressed, and the scorned whom the world pushes aside on the side of the Almighty. Anything else would be spiritual vandalism. Those whom the world frowns upon now receive not only God's grace, but God's kingdom. The kindness and kindliness of God, the decency and favor of God, the mercy and compassion of God are all meted out in this sermon Jesus preaches to the people. Luke writes about the realities of poverty and oppression, while Matthew tends to spiritualize these conditions that bring about comfort, righteousness for those who are poor in spirit. It's a different thing altogether to live in this world where economic status is heralded as accomplishment and success rather than examining the existential realities of poverty. Luke is not concerned with the notions of voluntary poverty nor the poor in spirit, but the actual poor who are God's elect according to the scriptures. Instead of Matthew's version of the spiritually lowly and humble, after a night in the hills filled with prayer, Jesus chose an inner group, 
This inner circle of disciples, other followers, and the multitude of people surround him after he descended from the hill and stood on a level place. We clearly see the setting matters here for Luke, as it did for Mark, whose gospel account places this sermon on the sea. And Matthew's famous account takes place on a mountain. Yes, we all know the Sermon on the Mount, but as I interpret this, the level plane places everyone on equal footing. Only before God can there be genuine equality, for we are all God's creation. At the foot of the cross, we are all the same. Flesh and blood, living creatures, are created by the same creator. Here is Jesus. Aside from his 12 closest friends, the special inner circle, yea, even the multitude, positioning himself, his apostles, and the favorite inner circle alongside everyone else. For the disenfranchised, the marginalized, the oppressed, even the suppressed, this is good news. It shows us that in God's economy there is parity and a place for everyone in the presence of God. Jesus, God's only son, the one who is both fully human and, yes, fully divine, here situates himself on a level with everyone else. He came down to be among us. Standing on a level place, Jesus shows that he is with the people and for the people. All the brokenhearted, the desolate, the forsaken, Yes, Jesus is with them all. Jesus is with us all. According to Luke, he who was without sin invites us, sinful humanity, to stand alongside him, our brother, our savior, our friend. Yes, he is Emmanuel, God with us. This is invigorating for someone like me today. Yes, as I remember that this year marks the 400th anniversary of the arrival of the first ship carrying human cargo from the mother continent of Africa and arrived at Point Comfort, Virginia. The arrival was around the 30th of August or so in 1619. When departing the coast of Africa, there were an estimated 350 or so human cargo aboard ship. And yes, after raised by pirates and a tumultuous journey over rough seas, there were only approximately 20 or so left who arrived on these shores. Yes, we won't see a celebration of the vilest example of human degradation with waving banners and horns, whistleblowers and party favors and even confetti. No, there is no remembrance of the Middle Passage encouraged on a national level. But Jesus reminds us, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. In fact, talk of this has been so uncomfortable for the growth of this nation until we are still unable to have rational conversations about race on a local and national level. The racial underpinnings of this country's success as a global leader are the same issues that prevent us from having real talk during Black History Month, or any other month for that matter, about the experiences of African Americans and other dark-hued citizens. As Africans were enslaved and loaded as human cargo, the Atlantic slave trade has forever left an indelible stain on the origins of the Americas. 
the racially, politically, and spiritually inaptness of the European slave traders to see value in human life and the human spirit has forever challenged our ability to be civil in addressing the inequities between the races. But thanks be to God, Jesus says to us today, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. See, for them it was about commerce, but for us it's about living a decent and a human life, humanely, if you will. We hear these words of Jesus today speaking to us over the centuries. We have been permanently and perpetually crippled to the notion of advancing any dialogue on race relations as a result of what first happened 400 years ago. Hence, the difficulty explaining blackface in 2019 to our children. Oh, you didn't have that issue. Hmm. No amount of human data and theorizing can explain why some lives are more valuable and deemed worthier than others. Is there a life more worthy? This is the heart of the matter when it's time to talk about brown and black people coming into this country. Yes, our country. God has not forgotten the past, nor the travails of our present. Where others have forgotten or been made uncomfortable or easily dismissive, God has not forgotten. Whereas people find it difficult to talk about race, God created the races and has not forgotten. In his memoir and final work, James Cone said, black Christians have always believed that Jesus suffered with them since he suffered as they do. Jesus would know how blacks feel, James Cone said, because he suffered too. Recalling this is how blacks weathered the storm of white supremacy for 400 years. Here is where Jesus gives the oppressed and marginalized a reason to shout. Yeah, you may not shout here in Christ church, but there are some people who would literally shout. Luke gives us a straightforward account of Jesus ministering to the hearts of the people. He says, blessed are you, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. The old folks say trouble don't last always. Not only did Jesus heal those who presented with various diseases and those vexed with unclean spirits, he let them know without equivocating that they were indeed God's very own. He told them God had not forgotten them. Yes, they were and are the inheritors of the kingdom of God. And as Jesus preaches this sermon, on the plain, at a level place. He tells them God has not forgotten them. Just as God did not forget Teddy. No, God didn't forget Teddy. Teddy Stoddard did not forget either. He did not forget the love and faith that a teacher had in him, which gave him the strength to carry on. God in Christ Jesus does not forget you, does not forget me, because we are God's very own. By the way, Teddy Stoddard is a doctor at Iowa Methodist Hospital in Des Moines, Iowa, that has a Stoddard cancer wing named after him. 
God didn't forget Teddy. And God will not forget you. Thanks be to God.